off the shelf. Hello, this is Sam with Church of the Geek, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Off the Shelf. Today, I am reviewing Planet-Sized X-Men number one, Fireworks, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia, and Jonathan Hickman, Destroyer of Worlds. First, from here on out, spoilers are going to abound because that's the only way that we can really talk about this. I feel that I should read this entire review in the voice of the angry Claremontian narrator from Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, such as, Well, now you've gone and done it, haven't you? You invited the dictatories of the world to your fancy dress party, and while they sipped champagne and doubled on hors d'oeuvres, you terraformed Mars. I certainly hope you're proud of yourselves. Because, dear listener, that's exactly what they did, and oh, they are. The Hellfire Gala promised fireworks for its guests, as well as for all of the gathered mutants of Araco and Krakoa. The reader, as well, is left standing a bit agape as what transpires in the issue. There have been many hints that Mars was going to be involved in the evolving story of the mutants, and some readers apparently felt that a bit too much was let out from Marvel's marketing department, which ruined the surprise for them. For me, though, ignorance was relative bliss, as I did not expect things to play out as they did. Honestly, though, in retrospect, we should have seen this coming from the second Magneto announced to humanity that they had new gods now. While Way of X was touted to be the religious X title, at least initially, Planet-Sized X-Men, or as I'm going to call it now, PSXM, comes as close to creating the basis for a mutant religion as anything. It's a modern creation myth written in real time for mutantdom, designed to shock and awe the entire world and place the mutants on a completely different level over the humans of Earth. The mutants ask no permission and offer no apologies in doing so. How all this transpires is presented with a casualness that amazes even the mutants watching. Magneto gathers tons of iron from the Kuiper Belt near Mars. Vulcan injects it into the heart of the planet, increasing its gravity and ability to develop an Earth-like atmosphere. Proteus stabilizes the planet while Iceman expands its ice caps. Two Arakan mutants, Sabumar and Kilo, feed the planet with oceans and land teeming with life. Storm then creates and tames the Martian atmosphere. Finally, Exodus and the Arakan Lakuta, I think I'm saying that right, these Arakans have strange names, teleport the whole island of Araco to Mars. Even the forever self-absorbed Quentin Choir is left impressed. This all happens in the span of a few hours while those gathered at the Hellfire Gala watch with either amazement or silent dread. In the past, this would have all been done with Silver Age exposition and evil cackling. The mutants, especially Magneto, have tried and failed to take over the world many times. They've tried force, they've tried politics, they've tried peace. All of this was predicated on the premise that mutants could either live in peaceful coexistence with humans or rule over them. The competing visions of Xavier and Magneto began with X-Men number one and still were never fully reconciled all these decades later. The mutants have now had a massive paradigm shift in their philosophy. They can peacefully coexist with humanity, certainly, but it will be solely on their terms. This is not an arrangement between peers or equals. 
Mutants now recognize that while Earthers may continue to need the medicines that they provide, the mutants themselves now no longer require the recognition of human agents, though they will continue to demand it anyway. This is also primarily about mutants now looking out first for themselves. Magneto states that their plan to terraform and colonize Mars will solve many problems simultaneously. He presents to the Quiet Council that their future can really only be in the stars and away from the incessant problems of Earth. Mars also creates a place for the lost mutants of Araco to call home, which both pays back a debt, according to Hope Summers, while also keeping them at a safe distance from Earth. It provides a base of operations from which they can reach even further into the cosmos, especially diplomatically, as we see in Sword Number 6, which follows. But most of all, it serves to display the pure, raw, and political power of mutant kind. This power is going to be an issue very soon, of course. We already see some humans at the gala whispering about Orcus to others who see this as a kind of planetary Lebensraum. No doubt that Orcus and maybe even groups like the Avengers will not take kindly to this hard move by the X-Men. While PSXM is certainly awesome and game-changing not only for the mutants, but really the entire Marvel Universe, I can't help but have a few issues and concerns for what lies ahead. One aspect of the current state of the X-Men universe right now is that they're exceedingly overpowered. Part of Hickman's vision was to see mutants not only acting collectively, but using their powers collectively in what they call mutant circuits. The notion was first introduced by the Five, but is now used across the board by the mutants. By enhancing and combining powers, their limits have been shattered. This not only leads them to a bit of a god complex, but making them functionally immortal, in most cases, and functionally omnipotent, as far as we know, makes them pretty much unapproachable now as characters. They are leaving behind their humanity, which may involve leaving behind their readers a bit. Magneto, most of all, seems to have already shed his humanity in favor of godlike detachment, as he tells the group prior to the terraforming project, quote, if we fail the human emotion of embarrassment will be the least of our concerns, unquote. Emotions like fear and shame have no place in mutant hearts now. Pride, however, has a big place. Interesting enough, reading PSXM reminded me of the House of X and Powers of Ten story. I'm becoming more convinced that as the mutants continue to flex their power in godlike ways, they are actually contributing to the likelihood of the success of organizations like Orcus and their Nimrod Sentinels in their effort to avoid the catastrophe that Moira saw in their far future. They seem primed in their short-sightedness to bring it to fruition. It's also interesting to see that the transhumans in that story shared the same eagerness to ascend beyond their physical and moral boundaries with our mutants here. Finally, the X-Men universe has become so populated with mutants of various odd powers now that it recalled to me the old iPhone commercials where if you wanted to do something, there's an app for that. Need a way to create an entire oceanatic ecosystem from a drop of blood? There's a mutant for that. Need to boost someone's power to do the one thing you need them to do that they couldn't do before? There's a mutant for that. Need to create exactly the nutrient and biological foundation you need for planetary survival on a dead planet? There's a mutant for that. A lot of this falls into the problem of when nothing is hard, it ceases to be interesting. I'm convinced, though, that this will all certainly be interesting in the foreseeable future because of reasons I've mentioned prior. 
We've also seen plenty of reasons why the Krakoan experiment may fail from the inside. Secrets, lies, broken promises, arrogance, and apparently onslaught. And frankly, I'm surprised that I ever had to utter that name again. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at Church of the Geek and on Twitter at Geek Church. And I'm at Rev S. Blair. Thank you to our regular listeners. And if you like this podcast, please pass it along via your social media platform of choice and be sure to leave us a review. And you can also find us at geekchurch.blogspot.com to listen to and check out our prior episodes. Have a great, safe, and happy weekend. And as always, geek be with you.